This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Senior Administrator at the Hendricks Center. And today we're going to be talking about working moms. I am joined by Andy Thacker, one of our uh, the assistant one of the assistant professors mm-hmm. of biblical counseling here at DTS, and also Christina Crenshaw. And she is the speaker, a speaker, author, and lecturer at Baylor University on in literature and leadership. And Christina is a mother of two. Andy is a mother of three, Mm -hmm. and I am a mother of one expecting another one. Mm -hmm. And so we all find ourselves in the situation of being working moms, thus Mm -hmm. it's a helpful conversation to have for the three of us. Mm -hmm. So to get started, I just want to give you both an opportunity to kind of tell us about Mm -hmm. yourself. How did you end up in the situation where you both have a professional life and a home life with kiddos Mm -hmm. and the fun that happens in the midst of that? Andy, let's start with you. Okay. Well, I was a counselor long before I was a mom. Mm -hmm. So I started my career in 2006 after I finished my master's here and worked for several years and went on and got my doctorate at UNT. And then we had kids or started having kids after, um, after I finished my doctorate. But during that time, I was working in private practice and also started adjuncting here and then Mm -hmm. went full time about five years ago. So, um, I still have a small private practice, but emphasis on the word small, very, very small, (laughs) tiny. Um, And then my husband and I have been married for almost 15 years, and we have Mm -hmm. three kids, like you said. Mm -hmm. Our daughter Emerson is seven, and our son Will is five, and our littlest one is two. Oh, man. So two-year-old, too. Wow. Yeah. They're a lot. (laughs) They are. (laughs) I haven't had three of them. (laughs) Christina, what about you? Yeah, so we have very similar narratives. I Uh um, teach at Baylor University, and I um, was an assistant professor, and I did that. I was out in California at California Baptist University, and I was an assistant professor before Mm -hmm. I was a mother, and I Mm -hmm. knew that I was called to work. I knew even after I had children that 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 was really what Mm -hmm. the Lord had for me. I don't think I quite anticipated how hard that would be Mm -hmm. to to have these dual vocations to be both a mother and an assistant professor. And I did that for a little bit until I had two within 20 months. And and I really, you know, spent some time praying about that and was feeling this mm-hmm. nudge to step off the tenure track. Mm-hmm. But every time I sought advice on that, people said, don't do it, don't mm-hmm. do it, do what you have to do to, to make this work. But I think that was a real season of trusting the Lord with, um, you know, my career mm-hmm. and being obedient and purpose and calling. And um, 
yeah, so I think I've, I've experienced both. I've experienced the full-time working mom, tenure track, mm-hmm. you know, two kids under two. And then I've also experienced the stay at home for a year of maternity leave. And mm-hmm. your sense of calling and purpose is really mm-hmm. primarily in the home and did some outside of the home contract work with an anti-human trafficking organization. Um, and But then slowly went back to work, started teaching part-time mm-hmm. again, and then that developed into a full-time teaching position. So I feel like I have had the gamut, mm-hmm. the spectrum of, of, you know, mm-hmm. working mom full time, working mom a little bit, mm-hmm. working mom part time to to back to full time. So, okay, that's my story. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of women like us in the mm-hmm. workforce. According to the Department of Labor, we make up forty seven percent of the workforce, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. almost half. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly, out of that forty seven, or I guess not necessarily out of that forty seven percent, seventy percent of mothers of children under eighteen actually work so 70 percent are in the workforce on some level i was kind of floored to see that I thought, goodness there are a lot of women doing this um and out of that 70 percent 40 percent are actually the breadwinners so almost half of them are the ones who are providing the majority for their family so there are a lot of working moms out there um but we do want to be sure to affirm and like you said you christina you've been in a lot of the different seats, and we mm-hmm. want to affirm those who do choose to stay at home with their right. children. Right. They, it is absolutely work. <laughs> it is not that they are work. not working yes. on any level. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it's just that each set, those who stay at home and work at home, and those who um, choose to work outside of the home, each just set face a different set of challenges. Mm-hmm. And so today, we're really going to be focusing on the challenges facing the mothers who decide to work outside the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, So the first challenge that when I was trying to think through this, kind of the obvious one, it almost seems that comes up is, is the the pressure or judgment that sometimes still comes for women who Mm. choose, who make that choice. Mm -hmm. And there are some who still argue, particularly it feels like in more conservative Christian circles, Mm -hmm. there are some who argue that women shouldn't be working outside the home and that their Mm -hmm. place is in the home. Andy, can you unpack a little bit about that? Like, what did, what have you heard? And mm-hmm. uh, those arguments, has anything ever been said to you? Just what <laughs> are your thoughts, kind of generally, to get us started? Yeah. So, well, my my background, I grew up in a home where my mom always worked, and my parents were business owners, so they had a lot of flexibility. But mm. I didn't know anything but a mom who worked outside the home. And then when my husband and I married, his mom also always worked outside the home. When we began attending a more conservative um, church faith community is where I first encountered the thought process that women should make every effort to make the home their main priority by not working outside the home Mm -hmm. vocationally. Mm -hmm. And it was a little shocking Mm because that's not what I was accustomed to. And I grew up in a religious background. Um, So that's where I first encountered it. And I've noticed in my talk with friends and students that there's different subcultures and specifically mm-hmm. different churches that have different belief systems and different pockets of the population where it's predominantly work at home moms, mm-hmm. and whereas other places it's work outside the home moms. Mm-hmm. And so I think the setting that a woman finds themselves in as far as their main community really influences mm-hmm. the messages that they hear. Um, and I think 
from a biblical standpoint, there's a lot of disagreement between different groups on this subject that Mm -hmm. women need to make every effort to be at home and that's their place and their Mm -hmm. kids really need them Mm -hmm. and the thought process being that their kids would suffer if they're not the main one providing care the majority of the time as opposed to the thought process of women can work outside the home and it's not going to be harmful at all i have definitely felt that judgment and even as a woman who works outside the home, I employ childcare services. And I've even had people on social media talk about that in reference to the choices we've made mm-hmm. of how childcare workers are the one raising my kids. Mm-hmm. Or um, I know in passing one time I had a woman say, you just need to find someone good who can be the one that raises your kids. I'm like, oh, oh I'm raising my kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not there all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think it is – it's hard enough to be a mom just mm-hmm. because of the struggle of am I doing it right and is this what's best? But to have other women in the same foxhole with you throw darts at you makes it especially difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love what Brene Brown says about this, that as women, it's so important to support one another and create an atmosphere where we can be vulnerable when we have those days of this did not go well. Mm-hmm. My toddler's running around naked or mm-hmm. and refuses to wear clothes or my older child is struggling in school that if we create an atmosphere of judgment, we lessen our ability to support each other from a community standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I just think about from a from a biblical standpoint, it is so important that we rally around each other and mm-hmm. be good community. And part of that comes from knowing, I think that this is a stewardship issue. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you work inside the home or outside the home or both, it's it's stewardship of what's the best thing for my family in this season. And that may be different for somebody else, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and really, mm-hmm. I'm Christ kind of gives us that example. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, in the, his interaction with Mary and Martha, mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. Um, you know, he never actually corrects Martha <laughs> for working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and it, ironically, the situation is almost a little flip from what we're talking about. But he, kn- what what Jesus was upset about was what Martha trying to dictate what Mary should be doing, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and kind of Jesus mm-hmm. was saying, you know, no, that how she has decided to follow me is good, and you know, mm-hmm. and that should be honored just how you're you're deciding to follow me. And um, the demoniac is another good example. The mm-hmm. um, demoniac who wanted to follow Jesus like mm-hmm. everybody else was following mm-hmm. Jesus and Jesus said no I have something else for you to do you mm-hmm. need to stay here mm-hmm. you know and Peter he um, when he found out that he was going to have a suffering death mm-hmm. and he said well but what about John like what about yeah. this one and Jesus mm-hmm. says that's none of your business mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. what I have called and the path I've laid out for these people mm-hmm. and and you know and I, I, Jesus never expressly says this but you know, and mm-hmm. our our role with one another and in the church is to support one another in what we feel like the Lord has called us to do, mm-hmm. yeah. and to mm-hmm. you know get behind each other, and whether that's supporting a working mom, mm-hmm. um, or supporting a, a woman who probably needs to work financially but really wants to stay mm-hmm. at home. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something mm-hmm. the church can do there yeah. to support her, yes. you know, or stay at home mm-hmm. moms, but 
any of the options Mm -hmm. are ones that we need to be getting behind instead of, you know, yeah, like you said, just casting judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Christina, did you have, have you had any kind of pressure in this area? Oh, certainly. But you know, it's interesting to bring in the other side of that coin. I've experienced judgment from more of an academic community Mm. when I decided to step off that tenure track. Everybody within my collegiate circle had Mm -hmm. an opinion on that. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I felt a lot of support. And I think it went back to really discerning what was best for my family in this season. And knowing that Mm -hmm. every yes is a no to something else and that there are consequences to to really obeying what you feel like you're supposed to do in that season and 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 owning that um, mm-hmm. accepting that but th- it was interesting to see that the judgment was really more on you're not stewarding well mm-hmm. everything that we've poured into you or mm-hmm. you know everything you've been called to do and I think it was a moment of saying I'm just pausing to to mm-hmm. rest and be obedient and to follow this other vocational call on my life um, but that doesn't mean I've dropped it completely mm-hmm. there there is a season to everything and so being able to you know to really walk mm-hmm. out and so the season has changed a little but that doesn't mean that it won't come to fruition in another season and I've experienced that even just in the six years of being a parent I've seen that rhythm of mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. there's been some judgment on you know whether I should work or shouldn't work but um, within a faith community, I don't know that if I've experienced as much judgment on mm-hmm. the shame of working, but I have experienced that on the flip side of you mm-hmm. should be working. So it is interesting mm-hmm. how your communities influence mm-hmm. how you even filter you know, the world and your working worldview. Mm-hmm. So. That's so true. And I'm working on a PhD right now, um, actually here, and everybody is obviously fantastic, but I... I have felt that pressure too mm-hmm. of I don't mm-hmm. want to disappoint the people who have poured so much in mm-hmm. into me mm-hmm. in an education sense, but as well as um, as my job, mm-hmm. you know. And because I, I work for Dr. Bach, who is fantastic and incredibly mm-hmm. flexible and mm-hmm. very passionate about making working mom like the life mm-hmm. of a work a young working mom work. Um, and he work is very flexible with me. And so mm-hmm. then I feel that pressure of they're doing everything mm-hmm. to try to help me. And it's still sometimes mm-hmm. things can get a little hairy. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, you, you're right. You feel pressure on both sides because you mm-hmm. don't really want to mm-hmm. fail or disappoint those who are really trying to help you mm-hmm. yeah. have it all. And I think mm-hmm. some of that <laughs> yes. might be the expectation that we put on ourselves, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that that pressure from outside voices, um, that's not a real pressure. But mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's almost managing our own expectations mm-hmm. and saying, okay, but what am I called to do? You know, not what does mm-hmm. this community say I should do or what does that community say I should do, but what what is best for mm-hmm. me, for my family? Um, and then it, you know, the rest is just white noise. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I haven't mastered that, but I know that that <laughs> is the right approach. Uh-huh. Um, so let's dig into this idea of vocation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it different? Um, how do you? Is it? I'm trying to think. I, the only other type of double vocation I can think of mm-hmm. is is a pastor who works full time, and you know, and he has that mm-hmm. going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Is that is that what it is? Is it a double vocation? Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you all think, Andy? What do you think about that? I'm. Part of me says yes because so much goes into running a household, and I'm 
so thankful to be married to a man who helps a lot and we are very much a team this doesn't work if he's not fully on board um but i i know that i probably take it upon myself that this is my main responsibility mm-hmm. and not necessarily the household, the household okay. that mm-hmm. you know to organize kids schedules and to mm-hmm. do homework stuff and whatnot but at the same time he is an equal partner in that with me and so in some ways i would say he's also bivocational Mm -hmm. in that because of the role he plays and his willingness to play that um but then there's part of me that's like this is just what you do you have a family and that's just part of life (laughs) that's how you grew up that's so it's right everybody makes it everybody makes it work and i didn't train to be a mom Mm-hmm. E- even though I'm a counselor who works with children specifically, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to actually transfer to my own kids. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't train to do it. Whereas mm-hmm. I've trained to do this and spent a lot of time and yeah. mm-hmm. effort getting to this place. Yeah, um, Christina, you've done some thought in the area of vocation, and I think yeah. even to a degree in this. What mm-hmm. it, What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so I teach a, a class of vocational leadership um, at Baylor. It's it's typically you know sophomores, and mm-hmm. they're learning to discern what it is they're called to do. And we sort of start with the premise that if you feel called to do something, that there must then mm-hmm. be a caller, and and kind of go from there. And I think you know, it's vocation has several different definitions mm-hmm. depending on on who you're reading and, and you're listening to. But I think the most simplified version of that would be what is it that sets your heart on fire mm-hmm. and where do you see a great need in the world? Um, specifically, you know, where can you mm-hmm. do this common good work? And so for me, I have found that it sets my heart on fire to teach and to work with students and that I am not mm-hmm. fully alive and I am not fully human if I am not walking out in that. And so there might be seasons of stepping mm-hmm. back from that a little bit in order to invest in motherhood or to invest, even when I was investing in my education, I couldn't teach nearly as much as I would like to mm-hmm. because I was a student taking mm-hmm. classes. So I think knowing that what I'm really called to do and sets my heart on fire is working with students, teaching, mm-hmm reading, researching, all that nerdy stuff. <laughs> and I am more fully alive when I am bringing my, my gifts and callings to the table for the common good. Um, and that doesn't make me less of a mom to do that. There might be times mm-hmm. when motherhood calls me away from that calling mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. than, than other times. But I am very much still a mom if I'm standing in front of a group of students mm-hmm. or if I'm at the gym or I'm getting my hair cut or I'm recording a podcast. I don't <laughs> cease to be a mother. And it's interesting mm-hmm. how that's the one vocation that we call into question can you do these other things Mm -hmm. and still be a good mother and there's not any other calling in life that we do that to you know nobody would Mm -hmm. ever really question you know can you be a good Mm -hmm. wife and a good mother I mean there's tension but we accept that those are dual narratives Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I think we're all bivocational or trivocational mm-hmm. by nature because we're all called to do so many different things. I, in my mm-hmm. mind, I picture it more of a Venn diagram, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I like to limit how many Venn diagrams are layered <laughs> on top of each other. Life is a own. lot of Venn diagrams. <laughs> but it's a lot of Venn diagrams, <laughs> right? You know, um, the idea of balance hasn't ever really set well with me because life mm-hmm. is not really balanced. Mm-hmm. But life is a Venn diagram, like so many overlapping mm-hmm. spheres and, you know, they, they touch each other they influence each other um and so i think when we start to look at our vocations you know like motherhood is a large part of what i do it is arguably the most important mm-hmm. thing i do other than my marriage my family is the most important thing i do but it is not exclusively the only thing i do and so looking at my mm-hmm. vocation through that lens I mean, I'm, I'm called to do multiple things mm-hmm. so 
Hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I really like that. And I hadn't, I think I hadn't necessarily thought about myself having had the vocation of motherhood. Just my particular story was that I wasn't necessarily looking for it to happen. <laughs> um, and I wasn't opposed. It, it was just something I'm, I don't know really mm-hmm. what I think about that. It's kind of mm-hmm. scary, kind of not. I don't know, you know. <laughs> but um, and so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have considered that. But you know, now having a child, it does. I would say, I would I would echo what you were saying as far as um, when I research and when I um, you know my area of uh, my discipline is hopefully going to be uh, theology, mm-hmm. and so when I'm digging into the fathers and digging into those kinds of things like I feel my heart on fire I do mm-hmm. that you know and and I and I feel it you know the, a little bit <laughs> as cheesy as it is of the the chariots of fire thing like when mm-hmm. I run I feel God's yeah. pleasure you know I feel yeah. like God's like yeah yeah there it is I've been waiting yes, for you to right. see it you know right. and so there is a sense of vocation yeah. there but I also have found that I feel that way with my daughter mm-hmm. and there are times mm-hmm. where you know whether probably when she's sleeping because she's two and she's really tough right now but but even you know there's times yeah. where she'll just lean over and put her head on my shoulder yeah. or yeah. I'll see that mm-hmm. she's just really struggling emotionally like having you know mm-hmm. trying to deal with what's going on and I feel mm-hmm. I feel a very similar heart on fire mm-hmm. I'm here to help you and I feel mm-hmm. God saying yes like mm-hmm. this is part of what I have for you too you know mm-hmm. and so I hadn't ever really thought of it as two vocations but I think I think yeah. there is some well or I guess one mm-hmm. your general vocation of mm-hmm. seeking to serve the mm-hmm. Lord and work toward mm-hmm. human flourishing and it happens in multiple areas mm-hmm. right so so that's kind of one pressure that we see facing working moms one challenge mm-hmm. is pressure and judgment maybe coming from the outside or even on yourselves as to whether you should even be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another pressure that I feel regularly is that of logistics. Yes. So just straight up trying to yeah. make it all happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really would love to come back a little bit to the idea of the husbands, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I think that that is key. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anne-Marie Slaughter, uh, who was a in the political world and an author, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a pretty infamous article mm-hmm. a, a while ago, though I was teased about saying it was a while ago because um, of my youth uh, in the Atlantic <laughs> on why, and she it was called Why Women Still Can't Have It All. Mm-hmm. And she was making, essentially making the argument that that working moms are gonna struggle and are, are essentially always behind everybody else in the workforce because they just have so many things pulling mm-hmm. at them. Mm-hmm. And she hammers away at logistics and just mm-hmm. what it takes to run a household. And like we've been recognizing, mm-hmm. running a household in and of itself is its own job. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so what it takes to run a household as well as have an entire other profession. Mm-hmm. God is a genius storyteller. And the evidence of this is threaded throughout scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. 
these stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith. Because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So, Christina, would you just speak to the pressures of logistics? How have you all experienced them? What are the general ones that working moms experience? And then we'll hear from Andy. Yeah. So I would say, I think it's fair to say, my husband would probably say this too if he were here, that it we've been married 15 years and mm-hmm. it has been a learning process. He grew up in a very conservative home. Um, his mom stayed at home. That was his preference when he mm-hmm. married me. But we we know each other well enough to know, you know, th- oh, you know, I went to grad school, and he's like, oh, I went to grad school again. And he's like, okay, <laughs> here we go. So I think he, because he loves the Lord and he loves me, he's willing to be teachable in that. And in return, I have had to learn to say, okay, this is a season of deferring to you. So mm-hmm. it, you know, when we first had children, really felt like I needed to defer to him. In order, mm-hmm. you know, for him to flourish, and then the past couple of years, I would say it's really been a place of him being a little bit more deferential to what I've been called to do, so that I can make mm-hmm. it up to Dallas for a fellowship, so mm-hmm. I can make it here for mm-hmm. a podcast or, or the other, you know, various things that that I've been called to steward. And so it really, it's this place of which is just such a picture of marriage in general. Mm-hmm. Of you know, this is a season of getting behind you and supporting you, and this is a season of getting behind you and supporting you. And mm-hmm. I don't know that in our 15 years that there's ever been one dominant narrative, that it really has been this place of support, defer, support, defer um, with each other, and that that's been a really healthy Mm -hmm. place for us. And, you know, even though he's very much the leader in the home, Mm -hmm. it is just this place of mutual support that we we need each other to do that. so I would say going back to your question about you know men and being a partner, I was raised actually in a single parent home mostly. My mom was a teacher. My parents mm-hmm. divorced when I was really young, and she loved what she did, but she also worked out of necessity. And she had summers mm-hmm. off, and, and you know if you're mm-hmm. going to work, that's a really great profession to be a to be a teacher. But um, I think sometimes women are in a position where they don't have a partner, and so it's it's great mm-hmm. to pause and recognize sometimes women mm-hmm. are working outside yes. the home because they have to, and mm-hmm. they really are doing it alone. And that is a hard hustle mm-hmm. to do alone. That's a great place for the church to come in and say, how can mm-hmm. I pick your kids up from carpool? How can I get them to church activities? They how almost can I get them? certainly need They mm-hmm. need I mean, it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then where we have husbands who are helpful, I think it's great and not at all chauvinistic or you know, um, you know, know, anti-against rhetoric that is in support of women mm-hmm. to say, my husband is a co-partner and I want to honor that. You know, It doesn't mm-hmm. make him any less masculine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me any less feminine. It doesn't, you know, it's just this place of we co-labor together. He leads, mm-hmm. but we co-labor together. So. Mm-hmm. And there, there might come a point where I need to step back yeah. and allow and, and put some emphasis toward his vocation, just right. like mm-hmm. he's been willing to mm-hmm. do for my, I mean, my, we're in the middle of a PhD program right now, and my yeah. husband is carrying the team yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. but and and we've re- and, and we've recognized you know this is a time where he has intentionally said you know mm-hmm. it's you know he has big things going on in his life and in his ministry as well but right now this is our family is kind of about making sure that you have this opportunity and this is what we're trying to do mm-hmm. yeah and it might shift after yeah the PhD yeah absolutely program, right? there may be something that the lord calls him to that requires you to kind of give mm-hmm. in a little bit more mm-hmm. and that's kind of 
the mm-hmm. dance of making it all happen. Yeah, Andy, what are your thoughts on logistics? Well, I, I think about as a parent and as I work with families, I always come back to our premise is we want to prepare our kids for the path, not the path for our kids. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is so healthy for kids to learn early is that there are limits. Mm-hmm. We are limit. We are limited and we are finite. Mm-hmm. And so to know that, you know, because mommy works, you're not going to get to do more than X number of activities outside the house, and that will not be bad for you. And so they can learn it within the confines of our home. And I think mm-hmm. that's something I always kind of come back to, especially if there's days that I feel guilty or bad, is that it's okay for them to learn that every every choice that we make has a consequence, good or bad. And it's important to be able to role play those consequences. And so as I try to manage logistics and figure out schedules and when I'm going to travel and when my husband's going to travel, it's okay for our kids to see us say, you know, we just have to draw this boundary Mm -hmm. because hopefully they'll get to a place Mm -hmm. as adults where they can do that same thing and know that I can't do everything. Mm -hmm. Your dad can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. We were never created to do it all. And it's okay to bring in outside help. You yes. know, the most one of the most glorious yeah. seasons of my life was when I went back to teaching at Baylor, and we employed two of my former students mm-hmm. um, who also went to our church to help with my kids. And they were more fun than I was, and they were yes. newer than I was. My kids loved going to the zoo mm-hmm. or to you know the museum in town with them. And there was a place of struggling, you know, feeling like, oh, I should be doing that with my kids. But I do do that with my kids. It's okay mm-hmm. to allow other people to also do that with my kids Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. those were sweet friendships that my Mm -hmm. kids still have with those girls Mm -hmm. and one of them is now a mom so it was good training for her so (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think bringing in community is really good for logistics as well and I feel like sometimes you're right and I think I think sometimes we have because we're just such an individualistic society Mm -hmm. we think well I'm supposed to we're supposed to just have it all together in Mm -hmm. the cook household and no we don't need anybody we don't you know like to have (laughs) to ask anybody except maybe our parents quietly like when things get really bad (laughs) you know (laughs) we yeah we don't need any and really Mm -hmm. it is as far as like childhood development you would definitely be able Mm -hmm. to speak to this (laughs) I feel like that it's it's helpful for kids to get loved on by other people mm, and to be exposed mm-hmm. to a variety of mm-hmm. other and and just from an ecclesiological perspective mm-hmm. i feel like that allows you know different people in the church to love on mm-hmm. them and for them to come mm-hmm. to understand and to love the church mm-hmm. in a different way than you would if you were just kind of rolling along mm-hmm. you know and doing mm-hmm. everything on on your own yeah absolutely i think about your example, Christina, that you gave and what you just said, Kim. So our our family, God put it together uniquely. Our first two kids are biological from us, and our third child was adopted. And he came with a sweet little gift, and that is that he has a sister who's a year older than he is, and she was adopted by a single woman who lives near us. Oh. And to see her community, mm-hmm. um, my son's sister's adoptive mom, her community loves her so well. Mm-hmm. They come around her, mm-hmm. they help out, and she's equally as willing to ask for that help. And that sweet little girl is so blessed by mm-hmm. the different people in her life that aren't necessarily blood relatives, but they're part of the body of Christ and they're her family. And mm-hmm. it has just broadened her um, 
she is loved by so many, mm-hmm. and it works the way the body of Christ should work. Mm-hmm. And so it's just such a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing logistics as far as it certainly requires support, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, especially if you're in a single situation. But mm-hmm. even if you if you are married, it definitely usually necessitates the support of the husband mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. mm-hmm. his willingness to kind of pull double yeah. duty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, I also think even for a married couple, I know, and we're in a little bit of a season right now where things are crazy because mm-hmm. I'm in my first trimester, which means I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And we're in the middle of PhD mm-hmm. and working mm-hmm. and all of that. And so many people from the church have, uh, people have just started bringing us food. Oh, <laughs> awesome. That's I so great. wept yeah. every single uh-huh. time because I was like, thank you. Because <laughs> I just don't want to cook and uh-huh. I don't know what to do, but we need to eat food. <laughs> and, you know, and so mm-hmm. even then, I think support mm-hmm. is so necessary mm-hmm. for people, you know, to mm-hmm. just, and, and really, I mean, I feel like that's life. Like that's, everybody yeah. could benefit from that every mm-hmm. once in a while. But I also, so support, but I also hear boundaries. Uh, Mm -hmm. what you brought up Andy you know it's if you're going to be living this life and the logistics pressure is bearing down part of it is just here's where we say no Mm -hmm. and and we just kind of look at it and say it'll be good for our kids it's good for us Mm -hmm. it's the only way we're going to make it here's where we say no Mm -hmm. you know and that's a tough that's so hard I'm Mm -hmm. not very good at saying no and back to the Anne Marie Slaughter article you know you really can't do it all Mm -hmm. and particularly not all at one time Mm -hmm. which I think was really what she wanted to emphasize in that article and she Mm -hmm. I think she's a dean at Princeton now she worked in the political sphere Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. she talked about how I was always able to manage these roles when Mm -hmm. I was in the academy but as soon as I stepped out into politics it got crazy quickly Um, But I think she had that epiphany, that revelation that, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with a woman working. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's it's great. But I think when we start to have that expectation that we can logistically Mm -hmm. do it all is when it quickly falls apart Mm -hmm. um, because it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. and it's not true. And yeah, there's Mm -hmm. nothing holy about thinking we can Mm -hmm. be an island unto ourselves, whether it islands us or our family. But you're right. We were were created for the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Let's invite them in, you know, Mm -hmm. to this calling and journey. Mm-hmm. So the a third pressure I thought of when I was kind of thinking through this, and I, I think sometimes it's can be the most painful one, mm-hmm. um, is what I'm going to call the heart tug. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the that maternal part of yourself that just mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Here's a perfect example. The other day, um, my husband actually, he's a pastor, and so he has Fridays off, so which is fantastic because he's mm-hmm. able to spend an entire day with our two-year-old. Mm-hmm. She's not in daycare on that day, mm-hmm. and and he there they call it Hattie Daddy Friday, and it's just fantastic. <laughs> That's sweet. And um, <laughs> and so they'll often come down and have lunch with me here mm-hmm. on campus. Uh-huh. And so, uh, so recently. When it's gotten toward the end of lunch and we kind of were finishing up wherever we are, like at the restaurant, and all this, she started looking at me and saying, "Mommy, no go to work," mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and just saying it over and over. Mm-hmm. And there's just this part of me that dies on the inside, and I'm like, I'm tr- "I know, <laughs> and I don't yes. want to," and mm-hmm. you know, but I do. And so I've started answering her. 
well, Jesus has some other things for mommy to do today, uh-huh. you know, and mm-hmm. and so I'm, you know, we're mm-hmm. all trying to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so mommy needs to follow Jesus because he has some of these other things mm-hmm. for me to do today. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be home soon. You know, I'll see you and <laughs> we'll play then, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So how do you all manage the heart tug? Christina, let's start with you. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think I often refer to this as working mom guilt. I mean, being a mother, there is guilt induced mm-hmm. no matter. If you're inside the home, outside the home, you know, you're always wondering if I'm doing this mm-hmm. to the best of my ability or even somebody else's ability, unfortunately. And um, that comparison trap can, can really mm-hmm. get us into a rut. But I think for me... I don't know that there's any formula, but I I think just really giving my kids vision for what Mm -hmm. it looks like to give attention to them and then also give Mm -hmm. attention to work and using, now that they're in school, they're they're four and six, I can use that as an analogy and Mm -hmm. say, you know, just like you're in school for a little bit these hours, you know, I'm at work for these hours and then we come home, Mm -hmm. it's time to to be together. And so that helps a little bit with rhythm. It is a little harder when they're two, so I want to validate that. When they're little, I mean, just life is harder yeah. when they're when they're two. But much less logic. Logic's not harder when they're two. But um, but I think as they get older, kind of giving them vision for you know, just like you're not in school all day or you're mm-hmm. out for summers. You know, I'm not always working. Helps them, I think, get vision for you know there there are different places. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I would not ever say this to my kids, but I say this to myself. I like them better if I've had a break from them. So I'm a better mother, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that this is true for every mom, but Mm -hmm. if if we're really honest about it, we take breaks from our kids when we go to a workout class or we go Mm -hmm. on a date or Mm -hmm. we have a mops group even. I mean, Mm -hmm. we need breaks from our children to get refueled and refreshed. I may just need a little bit of a longer break, (laughs) and I like my breaks to be, you know, walking out in this calling of teaching Mm -hmm. and researching and that that sort of thing. So I think just it's okay to recognize, like, "Ah, I feel a little guilty, but I need this break if I'm going to really be a Mm -hmm. great mom and and flourish in that vocation Mm -hmm. and then walk out and teaching, researching and Mm -hmm. flourish in that vocation, then then this is necessary. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's no way to negate the guilt, but I think you can abate the guilt Mm -hmm. by really saying, okay, but this Mm -hmm. is right and talking to your kids as they get older. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Andy, how do you manage it? A lot like you do, Christina. <laughs> I, I always come back to I have to talk to myself, not listen to myself. Oh, yeah. Because if That's I listen good. to myself, what I'm saying is not always truthful mm. or honoring to how God created me. And so I try to remind myself that um, first and foremost, just like you said, kind of the oxygen mask principle, if, if you're air cabin pressure on an airplane loses oxygen, Mm -hmm. you put it on first because if you're passed out, you can't help Mm -hmm. the kid next to you or the person Mm -hmm. who's acting like a kid. (laughs) So I know as a mom, and this was hard for me for a while because I felt like I was kind of mad at God about this. He created me as an introvert. And so Mm -hmm. I recharge by being alone. Mm -hmm. And that seems like such a death sentence as a mother, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. little kids, Mm because like the two-year-old, if I go in the bathroom, here come his hands Mm -hmm. underneath Mm -hmm. the door, Mm -hmm. Um, or the knock, mom, mom, Mm -hmm. are you in there? Mm -hmm. And then realizing, kind of sensing him saying, no, 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 Andy, I created you intentionally like this. This isn't a sin Mm -hmm. issue. This isn't Mm -hmm. a flaw. This is who you are. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to embrace that. And part of the Mm self-care oxygen mask for me is working Mm -hmm. because I feel so much 
wonderful things when I sit with students, when right. I teach, when I counsel. And so it's just a... I'm a better mom because I get to exercise my gifts in different Mm -hmm. areas. Mm -hmm. And then I was really, really blessed this summer. I read um, the book by Bill Hendricks called Mm -hmm. that talks about giftedness. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how God specifically gifts some women with a unique gift to really exercise that at home and be fulfilled at home. Mm -hmm. And they're gifted in that way, whereas other women aren't necessarily gifted in that way. Mm -hmm. And going outside the home is very appropriate for their their gift exercising. Mm -hmm. And so that was such an affirmation to me of, Mm -hmm. you know, this is who God made me as. It's not a flaw. It's not a sin issue. Mm -hmm. And what my job is, is to do the best I can in just in those places where he's put me. And on the days where I feel like I'm dropping the ball, I just go back to that, like, she did what she could. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to do what I can. So today it means yeah. cupcakes that I bought from Walmart. They're oh, not yeah. homemade. Right. Or yeah. I'm not publishing as much as mm-hmm. other counterparts, like, because I feel mm-hmm. that on the academic mm-hmm. side of mm-hmm. I'm not teaching as many courses extra. And I just got to do what I can in the place where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And and you just think, and I'm I'm embracing the opportunities God has given me, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the most I can do, you know. And yeah. and He mm-hmm. doesn't expect any. I don't think He expects mm-hmm. anything more of me, you know. Mm-hmm. And and nobody else really does either, you know. And if they do, that's mm-hmm. kind of their their deal, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. their baggage. That's on them. That's on them. We don't need yeah. their stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you you brought up a book. Are there any other resources that you all have found like helpful for either working through um, all these different pressures that we've been Mm -hmm. talking about uh, yourself as a working mom or that you would think, man, this would be really helpful if a pastor or a church kind of was aware of this and, Mm -hmm. you know, it would help them support. Are there any resources that you guys have seen? Maybe not specifically for working moms, which leads me to think maybe we need some more books. I was trying to think of one too, and I was like, I don't know that there is one. Caitlin Caitlin Beattie has a book, um, A Woman's Mm -hmm. Place, which isn't specifically for working women, but it's probably a great book for all women Mm -hmm. who, you know, feel called to do like motherhood and something else, because this is this idea that we Mm -hmm. were created to to do things for the common good and um, Mm -hmm. to really contribute, I would say, Mm -hmm. probably be the, the basis of her book. Um, as far as vocation, I think Bill Hendricks' book is mm-hmm. great. I just got done reading that oh, as well. So good. Um, Gordon Smith has a lot of great books. Um, Tom Nelson, Why We Work, if we want to discern, mm-hmm. kind of like, what am mm-hmm. I called to do? Mm-hmm. Um, Faith at Work movement, kind of the Timothy mm-hmm. Keller. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of a lot of these things you can actually find through the Hendricks Center. Now that you mention it, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, so I think for discerning vocation or how do yeah. I use my work towards building God's kingdom, that would be a great resource. Um, I don't know specifically for working moms or mm-hmm. working mom guilt. What, do you have any thoughts on that, Andy? I don't know of any resources specifically geared towards working mom guilt, mm-hmm. but I think about Brene Brown's resources, mm-hmm. The Gifts of Imperfection, yeah. and talking more about from a global perspective of how do you deal with guilt and shame mm-hmm. and vulnerability. I think that's a great that's a great launching pad for working through guilt and shame. And how as a community do we embrace one another mm-hmm. so that we can – really lean into the calling that the Lord has placed on our lives and support each other, not throw darts at each other and 
yeah. judge. Yeah. And yeah. Barb, Brene is a working mom. She it's is. Pointing yeah. Out. Well, and she really, is. you're right. And that that part of it, the the self-expectation, I think mm-hmm. it, there's been quite a bit written, is something women just tend to put on yeah. themselves mm-hmm. in general. And so, yeah, those, those kinds of mm-hmm. resources would be helpful, even mm-hmm. if you're personally applying it to the motherhood or track Absolutely. part of what your vocation is. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing that it's to face these pressures it's best to seek support from those around mm-hmm. you yeah. <laughs> yes. and yeah. um yeah and not from those who might you know pass judgment and mm-hmm. ha- seek to ha- be a part of a community that is really on board with mm-hmm. what you feel like the lord has led you and your family to be mm-hmm. doing and mm-hmm. um and for those people that community of which we are even a part you know it's not that um working moms are just recipients and aren't giving as well you know Mm -hmm. for those communities to really pitch in and help when they see a family that's that's just you know struggling and it doesn't have to be like things Mm -hmm. are coming unwound but you know and Mm -hmm. and maybe having a sensitivity for dual working families like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. things things Mm -hmm. are probably run on a pretty tight ship Mm -hmm. anyway and if something Mm -hmm. happens then it really (laughs) goes off the goes off the rails and then yeah Yeah. (laughs) really um and then you know finally just encouraging Mm -hmm. women in what their vocation and Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. and maybe even pointing out where how they are helping the community and the society flourish Mm -hmm. you know it particularly Mm -hmm. for women who find themselves in situations where they have to work Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, they don't necessarily want to be doing that but but they're doing it to provide for their family Mm -hmm. and for their children Mm -hmm. and even pointing out you know if you're working at a fast food restaurant which i have you know Mm -hmm. you're feeding people and Mm -hmm. you are you are actually helping working moms and you Mm -hmm. are helping all of these people Mm -hmm. survive because Mm -hmm. we eat at restaurants a lot (laughs) you know and there are um and really seeking to support other working Mm -hmm. moms in all of those ways you know uh, i think is the best way that we can all kind of rally around each yeah, other. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, around each other. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So I just want to thank Christina and Andy for being here. It was a lovely conversation on Working Moms, and thank you for listening. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.